Well, good morning, everyone. As we've been walking through the five callings here on Sundays, and hopefully in a life group, uh, you've been discussing it as well. I'm sure over the course of the series, you've probably been asking yourself what your specific calling is. You've probably also been asking, why is this important? Um, and why have we spent so many weeks on this? Man, I'm so glad you asked those questions. <laughs> Thank you. Because uh, we'll actually address that and all that in this last sermon in this series. And while I recognize that many of you probably knew what you were uh, when Justin introduced the series for us, there are probably some of you who've been waiting until the end uh, to hear about all the callings before trying to discern which one you are called into. So as we come to the end of the series and examine the why behind it all, let's do a quick recap of the five callings. And if you missed any of the weeks, uh, this is going to be, a, I'm glad you came because you're going to actually hear all five and be able to hear them one after the other to be able to discern which calling the Lord might be leading you toward. All right. So in Ephesians 4.11, that's the foundation of uh, this entire series. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, before we get into recapping the five callings, we need to remember what this verse says, right? And, and if you look at it there, it says, and he himself gave. Right? Do you notice that? And he himself gave. Sometimes in a series like this, we can assume or think that we are the ones that are finding or digging or discovering or creating it in ourselves, but we see here, right at the top of verse 11, it says, and he himself gave. In other words, these are callings that you cannot earn. These are callings that are freely given to you by Jesus. Not because you earn them through your hard work, but because Jesus is so incredibly gracious. And he's so incredibly gracious that he invites every one of us to be co-laborers with him in the kingdom. That's why he has given us these callings. And let's also remember that for each of the callings, when we reference apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, we are simply examining the callings that Paul wrote about here uh, when he used these words to describe different ministries or functions. When we use these words, we're not talking about special anointings or offices on people, right? We're using the lowercase Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher to describe. Okay, so with that said, let's start with apostles. What are apostles? Apostles are the entrepreneurs in the church, right? They're not threatened by new ideas. In fact, apostles have a huge gift of faith, right? Apostles, if you were to use one word to describe them, they would be visionaries, Right? They, you, you know you're around an apostle because they have a lot of charisma and they have a unique ability to gather people together. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they also have blind spots. Right? So for each of the five, we're going to explain what they are. I'll share the lie, but also share some of the blind spots that each of them have. So the blind spot for an apostle is that they struggle with the lie, is this even real? they might actually move a little bit too fast because they're so excited. 
And sometimes when they move too fast, they might actually leave people wounded behind them. Apostles will sometimes get bored, often get bored actually, and leave tasks unfinished. Do you know someone like this in your life group or in our church? In the life of the church, apostles, in their functions and also in their blind spots, uh, they are leaders. You know who they are because they are often leaders. They have charisma, they're highly attractional, they love encouraging, and they love leading us to get things done. And they're always thinking about opportunities to grow the student ministry, to, to grow your life group, to grow the church, to reach out into our church. Right? So if any of this described you, maybe God is calling you, the calling that he's placed on you is, is that of an apostle. Well, what about prophets? Prophets know God's will. Okay, they, they boldly declare God's will. They know how to, here's another way to put it, they know how to cut through lies. And they speak truth, no matter how painful it might be, to the body of Christ. Prophets remind us that God is still speaking today. Now, like apostles, they have blind spots. The, the, the lie that they struggle with is, is this even real? But in terms of a blind spot, some people might actually see prophets as bullies. Where the prophet, they, they see someone like that and they're, they're like, well, why do you always say it's my way or the highway? Right? The prophets may not actually be as sensitive or gentle uh, as, as others might be. Is anyone coming to mind in both the function and in the blind spots? In the life of our church, Prophets help us discern truth from error, right? They help us see the truth, cut through the lies. They're kingdom focused and they lead according to God's will and truth. They have a keen sensitivity to spiritual things and what's going on around us. And they're high on mission and purpose. All right, so that's apostles, prophets, and next we have evangelists. Evangelists throw parties, Right? They, they throw parties, they're natural recruiters, uh, they have magnetic personalities, right? They can gather the chess team and the football team at the same time, in the same place. They're highly effective at inviting and leading people to Christ. Now, we, as, as we mentioned in the weeks before, right, we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, but evangelists will actually be slightly more effective sometimes a lot more effective at inviting and leading others to Christ. Yet we are all still called to do that, right? Now, like the others, evangelists have blind spots. They struggle with the lie, I will be forgotten. Now, another blind spot that evangelists have is that they might actually neglect believers because they're spending so much time outside of the church with non-believers, praying for them, investing into them, trying to win them to Christ, that sometimes evangelists might actually neglect the deeper matters, soul development, soul care, discipleship, spiritual formation. Not to say that they don't do that, but it could be a blind spot. Now, as I mentioned the blind spots in each of the other ones, uh, some of the blind spots, you know, you're hearing me say it and you're probably like, ouch, well, that hurts. I don't want that. Right? And, and the fact is, there are blind spots because, I mean, why, why 
is something called the blind spots because you don't see it, right? <laughs> right? You don't see it. You need others to help you. I know a lot of times we like focusing in on the good side or on the strengths, but there's always blind spots in life. And even with this, sometimes you may be like, oh, you know, I, I actually have the function of all five, right? And I was like, well, probably not, <laughs> right? You're not Jesus. But, uh, you know, in, in light of that, you might actually struggle more or identify more with the blind spots than the functions. And maybe that's a way for you to understand, oh, maybe that's me, but I haven't stepped out into the calling as, as, as much as maybe I should, or maybe as much as I will in the coming days. Does that make sense there? We're just trying to identify which of these five you most resonate with. Right, so when you think about an evangelist, in the life of the church, who are they? All right, in your life group, who are they? Uh, these are individuals who are constantly reminding us that every one of us are sent to proclaim the good news of Christ. Right? They're the ones that are reminding us that we are sent to the nations to reach the lost. That we as a church need to be a city on a hill that we need to proclaim Jesus. In other words, they're really good at reaching out and motivating others. They, they're fantastic greeters as well and welcomers because they have this ability to gather, to connect, and help people feel welcome. Right? Shepherds are the next one. Shepherds, pastors... Uh, shepherds are, are great at nurture and care. Shepherds know how to attend to the broken. They love walking alongside others toward wholeness. And typically, shepherds are highly relational and have a high level of emotional intelligence. Okay? They have a high level of emotional intelligence. Unfortunately, like the others, they have blind spots. They struggle with the lie, uh, I'll be there for everyone, but in the end, no one's going to be there for me. A blind spot that they might wrestle with is that they might actually be overprotective and sometimes codependent. And it's hard for them to multiply themselves because they have this desire and this longing to constantly care and shepherd. In the life of the church, shepherds are really good at creating comfortable and welcoming environments. They are patient. They know how to walk alongside others over the long haul. They can spot needs and they have a deep well of compassion. All right, what about teachers? Teachers understand, they explain, and they communicate God's truth. Teachers can explain and help others understand how to follow after God. But they have blind spots, right? They struggle with the lie, I am not good enough. At times, uh, they can sometimes be too philosophical and maybe too much in their head that it's, it's, you know, they don't necessarily take that next step toward action. Uh, they might think that fun is a waste of time, or they might actually neglect and forget about relationships because of the function, right? You see how these, that, that they go against each other, the blind spots, the lies, and the functions that God is calling us to, and how our greatest strength can also be our greatest weakness, the source of our greatest weakness. Now, in the life of our church, teachers know how to simplify the complex, explain things, and create learning environments for everyone. They, they model how to live. Sometimes they're systems thinkers, and they know how to plan well. So when you think about those five, right, as you heard those five in succession, one after the other, maybe there might have been a couple that you resonated with, but, if, but, but, but which ones were those? 
right? Which of the five resonated strongest with you in their description, but also in its lies and blind spots? And what are you going to do about it? Right? In light of this and in light of us spending so much time in this passage, in this one passage, understanding the, the lies and understanding the callings, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to ignore the calling that God is calling you into or are you going to walk in it? Now, I recognize that there are some of you who still have no idea, right? Even after that quick summary, you're still like, but I still don't really know, right? And no need to worry. There's no need to worry because it will come. And it's going to come, here's how it's going to come. It's going to come as you place your eyes upon Christ and seek his kingdom, right? Seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Seek first his kingdom. So if you are still unaware or unsure or, or uncertain which of the five that you were called into, just place your eyes upon Christ and seek his kingdom. Don't place your eyes upon yourself, Right? And that's why that old hymn, right, it goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? It doesn't say, turn your eyes upon yourself, right? Look full in your wonderful gifts, right? I mean, that's not how the hymn goes. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. So, so when we obsess over what role, what calling, what giftings we have, something dangerous happens, right? We take our eyes off of God and we instead start navel-gazing. And these are precisely the moments, right? These are precisely the moments when we'll actually identify more with the lies than the truth. There's some of you here, as I was walking through the blind spots and the functions, you might've been resonating way more with the blind spots than the functions. And maybe that's a sign that your eyes are not upon Christ and that your eyes instead are on your weaknesses and on, when, on how you fall short. Now the thing is, we'll, we are always going to have weaknesses, right? We can never fix ourselves enough to get rid of them. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians 12 that God's grace is sufficient for us. Right? In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 11, it talks about the fact that, you know, that, that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Right? I love that. When I am weak, then I am strong. Right? We see that. We see that we are always going to have these weaknesses. But there's a difference between functioning, you know, focusing and, and, and you know, dwelling on those versus focusing and reflecting on the calling that God has placed in each of our lives. So if you ever find yourself identifying with the lies more than the function of each calling, the solution isn't to pray them away <laughs> like we try to, right? The solution isn't, God, help me not understand, you know, help me not think about these lies anymore. Help me not, you know, identify myself on these blind spots anymore. God, all these ways that are, yes, I mean, that's fine to pray that, but that's not, your focus is still on those lies, Right? Instead, we need to turn our eyes not upon our weaknesses and ourselves. We need to turn our eyes upon Christ. And when we do that, what happens is our perspective changes, right? When we change our perspective and our focus off of ourselves and then place it on Christ, we will not see our weaknesses. We will instead see ourselves the way Christ sees us, which is as forgiven, as free, as adopted, as chosen, and as called. 
it's interesting, to, it's interesting to reflect on what happens um, when you're driving or, or when you're running and your focus is off of your end destination, right? I mean, if you're ever in a race and you're running alongside someone else and you're just enjoying the mountains and the, 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 you know, the fact that the sun is out and the weather's nice and you're like, you love the fact that everyone's cheering you on, Right, you know those sections where you're, you're being cheered on as you're running the race? What happens when you're running the race and you're trying to find the people that, you're, that, that are here cheering for you? What happens? Your course is probably like this, right? And if you do it too often, you'll hit a tree. <laughs> right? Or you'll hit the pothole. Or you'll stumble over yourself. It's, it's fascinating to see what the best racers do when they're racing and everyone's cheering. And it's, you know, sometimes when we come, especially, you know, during the parade that we have here and everyone's running along. I mean, I really try to distract all the runners, right? And I'm like, I know it's, you know, I probably shouldn't, but I'm just like, I'm looking for the people I know, but I'm like, hey, look at me, you know, so but the hardcore runners, you know, the ones that are wearing spandex that are like, you know, the ones that are just like all fully in, like, it's like, you cannot distract them. Right? There's no way you can distract them. And even if you, I know, like, I know that person, and I'm not even just saying, hey, you, I'm calling them by their name. They still don't get distracted and they won't look because they understand what happens when our focus shifts. Well, the same is true when we take our eyes off of Christ. When we stop obsessing over what role, calling, or gifting we have, and we, we realize that everything that we've been talking about, right? This entire series today, when we realize that all of this, the point of all of this is about being a gift rather than having a gift, then things will start coming into focus. Do you see that? Right? It, it, I, we can't say, you know, we can't come, you know, if you're to come here every week and hear the gospel being preached, right? The gospel doesn't get old, the gospel doesn't ever get relevant, but every single week it's the exact same message over and over and over and over again. And it's always turn your eyes upon Christ, turn your eyes upon Christ, turn your eyes upon Jesus, seek first his kingdom. And then everything else is going to be taken care of. Okay. But just turn your eyes upon Christ, turn your eyes upon Christ. You know, let's worship together. You know, I mean, yes, that's true, right? I mean, that is the heart. It's the heart that we cannot win our or earn our salvation, but that salvation is freely given. Yes, that is true. And yes, that is what we need to do. But it's important that we learn the whole counsel of God, isn't it? It's important to learn the context. It's important to learn. Yes, we do need to run the race of faith. We do need to place our eyes upon Christ. But also, secondarily, it's good to know the calling, the unique calling that we all have, right? It's good to know that. But if you were to choose one, choose turning your eyes upon Christ. But as you grow in your faith, as you move beyond childhood into adulthood, yes, we need to understand different things, right? How many children think that the world, that they know every, how many, how many of you have ever encountered a child or a teenager that, that thinks they know everything? Or adult, adult that thinks they know everything, right? And they're like, the world is so simple, right? They're Republicans and they're Democrats, Right? That's it. Right? And he was like, actually, no, it does, the world's not really divided into those two 
political groups, and, and they're like, no, no, okay, okay, no, no. You have people who love Whataburger, and you have people who love In-N-Out, right? I mean, this world is as simple as that. And then you have, like, you know, Shake Shack and, and you know, Five Guys. No, it's, you can't divide the world as simple as that. I mean, here's the thing. I love, I love, I love the insight that my father-in-law I love this. I love going to his library, and I've shared this before here, but I've, I love going into his library, right, which is like half of this auditorium full of books. And I love, I love it when a, a non-PhD person comes and visits him because when someone who doesn't have a PhD comes and visits him, you know, this is what he tells me. He says, they always look around and they're like, wow did you read every single one of these? And then when a PhD person comes, someone who has a PhD, they just look around and they're like, wow, there's so much that I don't know. You see the difference there? The, PA, the person with a PhD, because they know so much about one sliver of a little thing that no one is ever gonna care about, <laughs> Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they have to go so deep in the most obscure little thing, right? And they're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, it's like five people are going to buy my thesis, right? Read my thesis. But, you know, but it's important, right? It's important. But the deeper they go, the more they realize, hey, if I can go this deep in this one sliver of a little thing, imagine how much I don't actually know. See what happens when we move out of childhood and into adulthood, we start seeing the nuances. And with the nuances come the joy, right? It comes the joy of knowing God deeper and deeper and deeper. Right? I love that movie, um, uh, you know, that Disney Pixar one, the one uh, with all the emotions, Inside Out, right? I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite, it's, it's one of my favorite, it's not, you know, animation wise, it's pretty cool. Uh, but it's, I, I think story-wise, it's one of my favorite ones because it talks about uh, mat- childhood, adolescent development, and the fact that as a, an immature child, you only know emotions separately. That you can't have, you can't be sad and happy at the same time. Right? You can't be joyful and full of sorrow at the same time either. Right? And then the first, and if you haven't watched the movie, well, I mean, I will ruin it for you. And it has been out for a while, so I don't feel bad about doing this, right? Uh, but at the end of the movie, right, you see the mixing of those emotions, right? You see that mixing. And you actually see the greater depth that results as a result of that. Now, why am I saying all this, right? Why am I saying all this? We, I, I gave you this, this preface of, hey, guys, the point of all of this is that we need to be a gift then have a gift, right? The focus in all of this, if you were to choose one, the, the point is be a gift. If you don't know which of the five callings you have, that's fine. Just be a gift, strive to serve, give, and be a gift to others. But we can't stay there. We can't stay there. We can't stay with knowing the emotions separately. And God doesn't want us to stay there. Because if we stay there, we're only going to, at a surface level, experience and know God. And what happens when a seed is thrown on concrete and there's a little bit of soil that poured over onto the concrete and the seed went onto that soil on the concrete? 
It sprouts, doesn't it? But it eventually dies because it's not rooted deep. And, and that's how our faith is when we live at the surface. The point of this entire series and the reason why we went so deep is because we want you to take deep root into the things of God, into the ways of God. Because as you grow more and more deeper and aware of your calling, this is what's going to happen. You're going to experience a greater depth of intimacy with the Lord. A greater depth of meaning and a greater depth of joy than ever before. Now, you know, here's the thing. When we look at Ephesians 4, and we're going to read 11 to 16, um, it's, it's, you know, we're going to actually break down 11 to 16 and, and look at the fact that at the fellowship, right, we are committed to developing disciples of Jesus who will, who knows the three G's? Gather, grow, and go, right? And we'll actually see here in this, in the context of this passage, right, step one, be a gift rather than have a gift. Number two, let's, but let's try to figure out what calling God has given us. But number three, why? Right, why? Why is this important? Well, it's because it will actually help us gather, grow, and go as disciples. So let's look at verse 11, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 uh, to 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Right? Gather, grow, and go. In every gathering of our church, right, whether it's large like today or or smaller gatherings when we gather together, public or private, we seek to do what we read in verses 12 and 13, right? When we gather, we seek to, verse 12, equip the saints, right? We, we gather to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. We gather, and, and when we do that, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, right? So this is what happens. These verses explain what happened when we gather together. Now, because of the great commission and the great commandment, we gather together as a church to learn how to love God and others, right? We learn how to love God and love others, but it doesn't stop there because when we do that, that will actually help us learn how to lead others to love God. Now, in order to do that, we need to be equipped so that we know how to step into our callings. And it's when we gather together to love God and love others, right? When we gather together to lead others to love God as well, when we do this, not only will we step into our callings, but God will actually then use us to equip others, right? We will be equipped by others doing that, but then we will also equip others who are doing that as well, right? I love this. One of the best ways to disciple or one of the best ways to be discipled is to disciple, right? Sometimes we think, oh, I can't disciple someone else 
because there's so much I don't know. You'll never actually ever get to the point where you can disciple someone else then. Right? Remember the PhD example? One of the best ways to get discipled is actually to disciple others. What does that look like? Gathering together with a few of your life group members, gathering together with a few of your friends or others who are here and say, hey, let's gather together on a weekly basis and read the word. Let's read the word and keep each other accountable to reading the word together. And if there's something we don't understand when we're reading the word, well, let's figure it out. And if we can't figure it out, well, let's ask someone else in the church who can figure it out. Sometimes we have this impression that we need to become so mature and so holy and we need to go to seminary or be an elder at the church or, under, or, have, it, or have read through the Bible multiple times before we can actually disciple others. And, and that's frankly false. It's false because ultimately it's not you discipling someone else. It's the Holy Spirit discipling them through you. So when it comes to this, right, when it comes to us discipling one another, being discipled, discipling other people, what happens as we gather together and this happens, right, the body of Christ will be built up, right? We see that in verse 13. I love that. The body of Christ, just look at verse 13 there, right? The body of Christ, when we do this, when we equip, when we disciple, the body of Christ will be built up. We will move toward unity, We will grow in our knowledge of Jesus and we will mature when this happens, right? So we see gathering, the importance of gathering uh, to, to, to be and to grow as a disciple of Christ. But we also see the aspect of growing, don't we, in verse 14 and 15. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. There, there's, as much as you know, we, we just read those two verses, there's something here that actually prevents us from growing. And I love what it says in verse 14. The thing that prevents us from growing is that we act like children. Right? The thing that prevents us from discovering which of the five callings that we are called into is that we act like children. Now, for me, growing up as a child in Vancouver, Canada, I had a lot of interests. Right? There's a lot of things that I did. There's a lot of things that I love to do. Unfortunately, SEC football wasn't one of them. Right? But, you know, having lived here for a little bit over four years now, that's slowly changing. You know, I realized that you can't invite Tennessee fans and Alabama fans to watch a game together, right? I've learned that, right? I've learned what not to say and what to say to poke fun at each of them, right? It's, It's been fun to learn about SEC football, right? But as a kid, I had no idea that even existed. I played hockey, right? I mean, that's, that's what I did. I played hockey. Uh, I, I did Taekwondo. I'm actually a black belt in Taekwondo as well. So, careful, each and every one of you. Uh, <laughs> Christine is really good at Taibo, though, right? Uh, from <laughs> Taekwondo, Taibo, kind of, you know, pretty similar. But um, I don't, <laughs> not at all. Uh, I, I, I'd golf a lot with my dad as well growing up. I played the trumpet. I played violin. I, I played guitar as well. And as a kid, I, I watched TGIF. Anyone else watch TGIF growing up, right? TGIF. And then, you know, on Friday and then um, Saturday, 
what, Bugs Bunny cartoons. I watch sports. It's funny, in, in the States down here, it's like Saturday is college football day, right? Everyone watches college. In Canada, Saturday is hockey night in Canada. Right? There's like this song that every Canadian, that all you gotta do is go, dun, 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 you know, and everyone knows it's like a Canadian pastime, hockey night in Canada. Doubleheader, two games in Pacific time zone starting at five, right? Because they're going east. And then it's just like everyone knows this, right? And that's what I did growing up, right? I also watched Days of Our Lives, unfortunately, because of my sisters. Um, <laughs> messed up show. Uh, Seinfeld is, I can't even, is it even still going on? Right? It's just like, oh, it's brutal. Uh, Seinfeld as well. I watched Seinfeld. I mean, reading wise, I loved, uh, I, I loved biology, but I also loved reading John Grisham and fantasy fiction books, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, all, all these things. I mean, I had so many interests as a kid, but would you have called me confused? Probably not, right? <laughs> Len's like, yeah, you are confused. <laughs> right? Uh, but you probably, I mean, as an adult, maybe, right? But as a child, I don't know how often you would use that word confused to describe a child like that. Maybe divided was the right word. I mean, the fascinating thing, right, about this verse 14, and then we will no longer be little children. The thing about childhood is that children do not have one thing that they are passionate about. Right? It's not like I am now, I love, you know, Macarius, I love cars, my son. And he's like, no, actually, I love dinosaurs. And now he loves Transformers. But then two days ago, he wanted to watch cars instead of Transformers. Right? It's like, what birthday do you want? Well, I want a Cars, Transformers, and Dinosaur birthday party all together. Right? And, it, and tomorrow it's probably going to be different. Right? Children change. They don't decide on one thing and that's it. And, and why is that? Because they're constantly learning. They're constantly growing. They're constantly discovering the world around them. Right? The very definition of childhood is being you know, able to be influenced. <laughs> Now, the dangerous thing about that is if you have positive roles, role models around you, it's a good thing, right? Because you can positively influence and shape your children. But what if you, have, what if you were neglected as a child? And what if the people who are, to lo- who are supposed to love you the most actually had ulterior motives and actually wanted to raise you to be the person they never were? As a child, could you really tell the difference? No, you just follow, don't you? You, you, you just are influenced the way that whoever is around you is influencing you. Well, the thing about this is when we step into our calling, we will no longer be influenced by culture's opinion about us. You see that? When we step into our calling, when we grow in our relationship with Christ, no longer will those ads or what other people say about you stick. Or how often have you had, you've been like so passionate about, you've loved this sport or you've loved this one thing. You're just so happy. You're like, yes, I'm going, going. And then someone just shoots a flaming arrow at you and they're like, man, who does that anymore? Right? Like, I remember as a kid, I loved playing Warcraft. Okay, so, you know, I love playing Warcraft. And then this little kid who was like four years younger than me, you know, I was like, oh, let's play Warcraft again. And he's like, who plays Warcraft anymore? The kid was four years younger than me. 
He was like eight. Okay? And as a 12-year-old, I was like, oh, who does play Warcraft anymore? Maybe I shouldn't play Warcraft. You know, I was like, as a child, we're so easily influenced. But the same is true as adults and as teenagers, aren't we? When you step into your calling and you grow in your relationship with Christ, you will no longer be like little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. That's the beauty of the passage. That's the beauty of growing in our relationship with Christ. Okay, well, the last thing, go, right? We gather, we grow, we go. And in this passage, we, we discover in verse 16, right? From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each uh, individual part. We, when we go and we lead others to love God by walking in our calling, what happens as we do this, as we gather, as we grow, what happens as we do that is that the whole body will actually grow as well. Right? I, love what it, I love what Jesus said about himself. Right? He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And what happened is as he was serving others, he was able to step into the, call, into the callings that God was calling him to. So as we wrap up this message, as, as we wrap up this series, um, if, if you're sitting here and you haven't yet discovered your calling, let me give you a next step. Okay, if you haven't yet discovered your calling and one of these things uh, hasn't really popped out to you, what if, what if your next calling, your next step is actually just to serve? What if that was your next step? If you're still unsure, or instead of trying to just keep on studying and watching the sermons over and over and over and over and over again and be like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that, and you're watching, I mean, that's, it's, it's you know, I, I wouldn't, okay, you could do that, but I wouldn't spend all my time just watching old sermons, right? Instead, what if you just served? Maybe you served as a greeter. Maybe you served in the children's ministry. Maybe you served with the students. Maybe you went on a mission trip. Maybe you were a host home, you know, Axis Weekend. You know, whatever it is, what, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. If you don't know what your calling is, just serve. Just serve. And not only in our church, but serve your neighbors, serve your community, serve your coworkers. Because what happens is when we take our eyes off of ourselves and we instead live as Jesus lived, because when you serve, that's what you're doing, right? You are live, you're not doing the church a favor. You're not doing your neighborhood and your coworkers a favor. That's not why we serve. You're serving because that's what Jesus did. And when we live as the, in the same way that Jesus lived, we will, that is one way and part of how we become like him. So serve. As you do that, you will learn how God has called you, your blind spots, your functions, all of that, and you'll be able to step into the calling that God has called you. Now, okay, that's if you don't know. Let's say you do know, right? Let's say you do know which of the five callings you fit into, or you have an idea. What are your next steps? Okay, what are your next steps? If you're an evangelist, right, you are gathering people to hear about Jesus, right? I'll give you five statements. If you're an evangelist, you will gather to hear about Jesus. You will gather others to hear about Jesus. If you're a prophet, you will tell the truth about Jesus. Right? Evangelists gather to hear about Jesus. Prophets will tell the truth about Jesus. Apostles will rally to live like Jesus. Pastors will make it safe to follow Jesus. 
and teachers will execute vision step by step on how to be like Jesus. Each of the five callings needs Jesus, and we each need uh, the others to make Jesus known. So regardless of what your calling is, are you able to say with a willing and open heart, Lord, here I am? Are you knowing which of your five callings you are called into? Are you able to begin serving when you see opportunities to serve? Trusting that as you are being faithful in the little, God will direct your steps and open up doors toward the areas that God, you know, that best fits your calling. Right? Are you able to say, hey, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I be a part of this body? Not just coming and consuming, but coming and giving. And every time you find yourself consumed with the lies and the blind spots of your calling, are you willing to instead turn your eyes back to Christ and to worship him?